Welcome to another Dulas Deliberation. I'm Levi Bimba, and today we're going to talk about advertisement and contentment. So I recently listened to a lecture by a professor at University of Massachusetts called Sut Jolly, and he was giving an, a uh, provocative titled presentation called Advertising and the End of the World. So I watched it again on YouTube, and I say again because back when I was in college and I think it was 2010, 2011, we had to watch his presentation, his documentary that he made, which was called the same thing, Advertisement and the End of the World. So I watched it again, and I was struck by it, by what he was saying from, at least from a secular point of view, of how the ad industry is completely sold out to the idea of selling uh, experience and selling human desire and satisfaction through their products, knowing that that's what people want. They want social connection. They want happiness. They want to be fulfilled. And though the advertising industry knows they can't physically offer those things to their customers, they still try to connect the products that they're selling to those very real human desires. So Sut Jolly, the professor, he talked in his, his lecture about how happiness surveys that have been going on since 1945 have tried to gauge the happiness of American of American citizens. And he said that in those studies, he says that though wealth has massively increased and the standard of living has increased since 1945, the happiness barometer has remained re- relatively stable. So if you think about that, though the culture has become more wealthy, we have access to more technology, more gadgets, iPhones, tablets, laptops, Wi-Fi, internet is widespread, central heating and air and all those kinds of things that we that we enjoy today. But yet 60 years later, 70 years later, we're not really happier than those people who were living in 1945 who really didn't have those things at least at least as widespread as what we have today. And so there's this reminder of a passage in the Bible where Jesus was speaking with crowds that were following him. And uh, in Luke 12, verse 15, or I'll start at verse 13, it says, And one of the companies said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now, this statement obviously is over 2,000 years old, and yet we are doing studies that are about 50 years old and discovering that the things in somebody's life don't necessarily bring fulfillment. But Jesus told us this 2,000 years ago, where he said, take heed and beware of covetousness. So don't desire things that don't belong to you. Don't be looking to fill your life with gadgets and with with things that you think will make you happy because Jesus himself has said a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that you possess. It's a faulty, it's a it's a it's a fool's errand to think that you can accumulate all these different things that you like and find fulfillment in them. It's just not what uh, your life ought to be. And he continues in verse 16, and he says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. 
And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those, then whose shall those things be? which thou hast provided. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So Jesus is saying here that you can accumulate all the things in the world to fulfill your life, to, to make you happy, to think that you'll be able to work X amount of years and gather all these things. And then for the next 20, 30, 40 years, you'll just be able to enjoy the rest of your life and enjoy what you've built up. But the reality is, is that God is sovereign over every human life. So you can think you're going to accumulate all this stuff. You may not. You may never even get the chance to enjoy it all because your life will be required at a certain time that you don't know when you'll die. I don't know when I'm going to die. But those days are fixed and we are thinking that we can accumulate all these things and to make ourselves happy. When in reality, we may not even get to get to the point where we even get the things that we think that we want so badly that won't even fulfill us in the first place so getting back to the presentation uh, he had a quote in his presentation where he said the falsity of advertising is not in the appeals it makes which are very real but in the answers it provides and that stood out to me because that's like sin Sin appeals to our flesh. We we think that once we get we grab onto it and and engage in it, we think that we are going to find the fulfillment, find the find the joy that we were looking for. And of course, sin is feels good for a time. We we feel satisfied for a time, but then the guilt of our sin, the guilt of doing something wrong, weighs on us. Being that our consciences are are not hardened as some are. But that the the appeal of sin is so strong that all we all fall for it all, you know every day in some some in some ways greater other ways lesser but the fact remains that sin uh, fools us and in think into thinking that we will find a lasting peace and a lasting joy in that sin and that's kind of like how he said it with advertising and advertising sells you something that's not real it's it's false. In, in its answers that it provides you, it tells you if you buy this car, you're going to feel so good. You're going to think like you're the best guy in the world and, and any woman would want to get with you. But when you get the car, you realize that you're still the same person and nothing has changed in your life. So it just sells you a, a false a false uh, impression of who you could be if you just have this product. And the advertisers know they're doing that because they want your money. That's that's what they're after. They're not they're not they're not really after to make you feel better about yourself. The bottom line is the dollar sign, as the saying goes. He also talked uh, another quote from Victor LeBeau, an American economist in the uh, in the 20th century. So he was born in the early 1900s and died in 1980. But Victor LeBeau wrote this. He says, our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life. That we convert the buying and the selling of goods into rituals that we seek our spiritual satisfaction, our ego satisfaction in commodities. We need things consumed, burned up, worn out, replaced and discarded at an ever increasing 
rate. And Professor Jolly was making the point that with the iPhone, he's thinking like the, the engineers at iPhone or at Apple could give us the one of the worst, you know, the most souped versions today instead of stretching things out, you know, over five, 10 years. But they do that because they continually need to grow. They continually need to make a profit. So even though there may not be that much variation between the iPhone 10 or the iPhone 11 or the iPhone 12, it's the fact that we, that Apple has convinced, you know, millions of people around the world that your phone that is only a year or two old is obsolete and you need to come out and buy this new version and it'll make you, it'll make you feel better. It's almost a status symbol to own an Apple iPhone. And not to get down on Apple, I have a lot of Apple things. I have an Apple Watch, phone, tablet, and laptop. And so they make fantastic products. But the point is that, is that they want you to consume at the point where you are getting rid of their own products that they sell you to get to give you to buy new ones that they provide because they want you to keep consuming, keep using things up, and they have to have they have to keep doing that because the goal is to always build more value in the company. Now they're a $2 trillion company, one of the most valuable companies in the world and probably in human history because of the the power of advertising products that have convinced millions of people around the world, if not billions, to purchase new phones that really aren't as, that really aren't much different than the phones that we already have over and over and over again, year after year. And we see this playing out with an American culture where we want things so badly that we don't have the patience to wait and and save up and buy the things that we so desperately want because we want we want them so badly. And now we have to get them as quickly as we can. And that, that's where debt comes in. And now with an American uh, economy, we have fourteen point eight eight trillion dollars of debt of consumer debt. So that's credit cards, car loans, you know, all these things that we that we like to that we use to buy things that we like to get. And uh, another lady who wrote a book that Professor Jolly mentioned in his presentation, he says 85 percent of Americans want to be in the top 18 percent. So you have the vast majority of people wanting to be and get to a level that they are they are not in. And that, again, that turns people more into themselves. We're more self-focused, self-motivated to please ourselves and to get ourselves to a level uh, of of wealth and attainment um, more so than wanting to help others. And he's and the, the argument he was making is that we're, we're more um, or here's this quote. He says, the market appeals to the worst in us, which is greed and selfishness and discourages what is the best about us, which is compassion, caring and generosity. And so now we live in a culture that is has become increasingly narcissistic, which we just want to please ourselves. We think we think we are the most important thing. You hear terminology like you need to love yourself more. You need to care for yourself, self-care, self-love, self-esteem. All these things are self-focused when the Bible says the opposite thing, where God tells us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow Christ. It's all about living for others. And it's not about living for ourselves anymore. But riches and and money and wealth and status are so appealing to us that we just can't give those things up. But Paul warns us in 1 Timothy 6, 
continuing continuing on the same warning that Jesus gave us. Paul says in First Timothy six, starting at verse six, he says, "Godliness with contentment is great gain." So it's not that gain is godliness, as verse five talks about. It's not that you you you're, you're more prosperous, you're more God God favors you more if you have more wealth. It's that you you are content with what you already have. And, and Paul is saying, if you want great gain in life, you should be godly and you should be content. Content means to be satisfied with what you have at the time. You're you're, you're satisfied in the possessions that you that you already obtain. And when you look at the definition for content, it says feeling or showing satisfaction with one's possessions, status, or situation. So regardless of where you are, whatever status you are in life, your your contentment shouldn't shouldn't change. You should be content with food and and clothing, as Paul talks about in in another epistle. But verse seven, it continues. It says, "For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing." Out. And that, that, that sounds axiomatic. We should know that when babies come into the world, they come in with nothing. They, they, they are totally dependent upon the parents to feed them, to clothe them, to change them, to provide shelter, to to do everything that they do. They need to stay alive. They, they, they brought nothing into the world. They're just takers. And 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 that's that's how we all came into the world. And it says, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So we know it. There's no, I think it was John Piper who said, there's, there's no, there's no uh, U-Haul behind a hearse. You know, when you die, you die with nothing. Now, you, people may put stuff in your grave. You may die with clothes on, things like that. But in reality, you take nothing out of the world. Only your body, only what you came into the world with, which is the body that you have. Now, verse eight, it continues and it says, and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Oh, so this is the same same epistle where it says food and raiment. So if we have food and clothing. Paul is saying we should be content with those things. He didn't even add shelter there. He just says, if you have food, if you have clothing, you should be content. You shouldn't be desiring more wealth, more money, more possessions. And I know living in America, it's almost impossible to not <laughs> to not want more things because we are bombarded with advertisements every day when you, if you watch tv if you listen to the radio even if you read books i mean books are advertised and, and inside books are other are advertised or people are advertising other books for you to get and other products and things like that so it's it's almost inescapable to live in american culture today and not be advertised too but Paul continues in verse nine, he says, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. And how many stories have you heard of people who are desperately trying to win the lottery or gamble and they ruin their families, they ruin their financial uh, status, they, they, they can't take care of their children because they've gambled their, their, their children's college savings away, they've gambled their emergency fund savings away and now they are in financial ruin they're in divorce even people that win the lottery they they win these multi-millions of dollars and they go and squander it all within the first two three four five years which is it's incredibly sad but people that are desiring to be rich that have no contentment are going to are they're bound for financial failure and ruin and then Verse 10 is a more famous verse. The, for the love of money is the root of all evil, 
which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So, you know, this was written to Timothy, a pastor. And he, Paul was warning him, don't get caught up in the love of money. Don't get caught up in the love of possessions. Don't covet riches and wealth. And and, and I know it's tempting. We see uh, athletes, we see musicians, we see actors and actresses and the lavish lifestyle that they live and the money that they have to to to, to spend is however they see fit and buy whatever they they their heart could want. But. Paul's saying here, don't get caught up in the love of money. It is the root of all evil. It, it will lead you down a, a destructive path that will, could even cause you to lose, uh, you know, to err from the faith. And nobody wants that. But that's the power of the, of the world. That's the power of the appeal of money and of possessions and things like that. So we have to be careful in how we live life. We have to be aware that the world is always and increasingly wanting us to consume, never wanting us to be content. I mean, you could say the advertising industry exists to make sure that you are not content. I mean, that's 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 why they exist. That's why they, they spend billions of dollars every year to get you to become un, to to get you to become discontent so that they can sell you products and offer you contentment, even though they want you to stay they want you to stay discontented so they can continue offering offering you more products. So we have to be careful and be mindful that we are being sold a lie because contentment comes only within Christ. The soul soul, uh, desire that we need that that can only be fulfilled in Christ is to have our sins forgiven, uh, that we repent, we turn from our sins. We trust in Christ. And that's why Jesus said, if any man come to me, I will no wise cast out. And if anybody drinks the living water that he has, he will never he will never uh, be discontent. He'll never be uh, unhappy again. You will always have uh, a feeling of contentment because the most pressing issue for you is to have your sins cleansed and to and to want and to be washed and to have a peaceful, loving uh, 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 gracious and, and and enlightening relationship with the God who made you and the God who made me. So take these thoughts and, uh, and think about them. Read the passages, Luke 12, uh, 15, 13 to 15, and 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. And make sure that what you do is not lose your contentment. Thanks for listening and leave a review if you if you feel so inclined. Five stars is always appreciated and write a review. I'll be looking to read those and see you. I'll see you in the next episode of the Do Lost Deliberation.